Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. I'm John. And I'm Jess. And this is a Nerdy Show Microsode. That's where we talk about what you want us to talk about for uh, 15 minutes or more. In this case, the topic is Mars One, presented to you by Kevin Wise. Now, Mars One is an interesting thing. We'll get into exactly what it is, but essentially it's one of many programs these days to get humans on Mars. And we have a lot of of such programs. For example, NASA's Journey to Mars program or the recently announced SpaceX plans to go to Mars. So we're going to actually be talking about all of those things. In 15 minutes, start the timer. (laughs) (laughs) Really for, in this case, for as long as we need to, to have the conversation in full. So I guess to, to kick it off, Mars One, if you've heard of it before, it's probably because when they first debuted in 2012, it was with the shocking and preposterous announcement that it would not be a program to not only send people to Mars for the first time, but it was also to be televised as a reality television show. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Aspect of that <laughs> How could you forget that? <laughs> well, because I, I think then going to Mars became more substantial and it became like more of a like, OK, well, now NASA has a plan. And so it was like, OK, now now we don't need like the survivor like piece to like make people think going to Mars is cool anymore. But yeah, I, I did completely forget about that. <laughs> selective, selective memory I wanted to forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's usually the first thing that comes under scrutiny when people scrutinize Mars One. It's a very controversial program. The idea being it had open applications and they would call down a list of candidates and send the first humans to Mars, two men, two women. They would colonize Mars and then have progressive like increases in the the colony footprint effectively until it was a self-sustaining entity there. And then self-sustaining being uh, you know kind of crazy since I think the numbers that they ultimately wanted to get to was uh, 20 people. So that's like nothing. Nowhere near enough to su- sustain anything. Like <laughs> I mean the entire plan was just nuts. And I mean, like talking about scrutiny, they were planning on funding it based on private investment, as well as the idea of this reality TV show. But that inherently doesn't make any damn sense at all. I mean, you know, you have the viewership die off, and then you have no funding, and it wouldn't have funded it anyway. They estimated what, like $60 billion to get there. The the whole thing, like, it's not financially a sound investment for anybody, because you'd never make back your money, you'd barely be able to break even. 
who's developing all the technology for that? You know, they keep sort of fingering SpaceX like, oh, yeah, these guys, we're just going to take their capsule. You know, <laughs> we're going to go do this thing. Um, but what about all the other systems that they would need and the extra parts that they would need to bring along with them? And, you know, in other words, like there is a hell of a lot of stuff going into a self-sustaining colony. It wasn't 60 billion, by the way. It was just 6 billion. But even... Uh... Oh, God, that's even stupider. You know, the uh, <laughs> NASA one was something like $100 billion in 2009 was what they thought it would cost. Yeah, that's uh, NASA's Journey to Mars program, uh, which was originally outlined in uh, 2010 and is still very active. The plan, that that in short, because there's not too much to say on, on that at the moment, but the plan is to send a robotic mission to capture and redirect an asteroid to orbit the moon, where astronauts would explore it by 2025, and then using that as well as um, systems currently being tested on the International Space Station, they would take all that information and sometime in the 2030s have a manned mission to Mars. That sounds reasonable, right? I mean, I think even even with all of these like announcements or all of these plans, it seems so fantastical still to me. And it seems like and 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 I know that there's there's a lot of science behind what Elon is doing, but I, I think there's just so much more that we need to learn about, you know, the effects of space travel on humans and the effect of what that radiation will look like and, and, you know, what they're seeing on the surface that we could really be studying, like, closer to the planet uh, instead of just being like, we're just going to go there and we're going to see what happens. It's just a little more, sounds more insane to me. Yeah, well, especially when you combine it with the possibility of it being televised, because basically as soon as they announced that and, and, and all the, the real science started coming out of like, wait, but there's so, there's insurmountable things that you have to achieve before you can actually successfully do this. And it's already extremely risky. You're essentially announcing a television show where people are going to die. Yep. And I mean, they, they even make it there in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And they, that's something that they've acknowledged and accepted, and which is, I mean, that's space travel for you. So that's good that they have, you know, their head, their head is not in the clouds in regards to that, but it did seem uh, a little preposterous. Now, uh, there's actually a, a book that just came out this year from Mars One. It's called Mars One, Humanity's Next Great Adventure Inside the First Human Settlement on Mars. Um, and, uh, you know, out of the 18 people who reviewed it on Amazon, it's reviewing pretty well. It's got four stars. But, but So they uh, wrote fanfic about themselves? <laughs> well, you know, kind of. They have, they have cr- very credible people who wrote this. There's some people who, for some reason, believe in the project. Um, there's uh, uh, an MD with an expertise in developing physiological and psychological countermeasures to combat the negative effects of long-duration spaceflight. Uh, there's a doctor uh, who's a, a neurophysicist who works on, on Mir Skylab and now works for the ESA. Um, and there's a professor of applied human sciences at... Uh, Concordia University of Montreal. Um, but, but here's a one-star review, and I think this one-star review sums up um, the problems with Mars One in a nutshell. It's called Delusional in the Extreme by uh, <laughs> Beyond Human. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more? You, you could just say that sentence, and I think... <laughs> I mean, anyway. that, that's, that's true, <laughs> but the review goes on. That's just the title. <laughs> Delusional. What can I say? Cataracts, vision impairment, and intracranial pressure, bone loss, osteocraniosis. Wait, oste- osteoradio. 
necro osteoradio necrosis, uh, early onset Alzheimer's, muscle atrophy, single strand and double strand breaks, gene mutations, radiation sickness, etc., etc. And what about entry, descent, and landing? No mention of how Mars One will resolve any of these problems. This is a work of fiction and badly written at that. If you believed humans and dinosaurs once roamed the Earth at the same time, then this book is for you. <laughs> I think that really does truly sum it up. I mean, like, there literally nothing about the project seems to make any damn sense. And in fact, it only really makes any sense within reference of whatever the hell Elon, crack, you know, comes up with. I mean, his plan is at least fairly somewhat serviceable, you know, like in comparison. He, he builds rockets and he has done things that have been surprisingly uh, forward, let's say. I mean, nobody in the industry thought that a reusable rocket was even possible, and he's at least managed to land them. So, you know. True. <laughs> I mean, but like but what's also better. insane is, like, Mars One is still a thing. It's still happening. Like, people are still signing up to this. So, like, if you go to their website, um, now, granted, this was still July of this year, so it was still a few months ago, but there was two new candidates that were added to their astronaut selection process to replace other candidates that left for, you know, personal reasons, which... Perhaps they came to their sentences and realized that this was ridiculous. But, like, there's still people signing up for this. <laughs> They're still like, yep, I'm on board. Let's do this. Well, not only are there people signing up for this, but of the ones that I've actually, like, looked into, they're good people. They're good, smart, intelligent people who we might actually want to be there. It's not just, like, random dudes like, yep, want to die on Mars. Ain't got a problem with that. Ain't nothing left for me here. Um, there, uh, For example, I found an article on a, uh, a website called runway girl network which is about uh women in aeronautics i see what they did there and there's a whole piece dedicated to laura smith velasquez she's a human factors and systems engineer at rockwell collins advanced technology center and for 14 years she's been a pilot working in the aviation and aerospace aerospace sector um they, I, they have this interview with her it's Part one, part two is going to be up up soon. I'll, I'll link to it on this episode's page. She, so, she sounds great. She sounds like exactly the kind of person you would want to be um, an astronaut and an ambassador of Earth for what it's worth out, you know, out, out there doing doing great things. She grew up watching Nova and Star Trek, reading Anne McCaffrey. Um, her grandma built airplanes and uh, she's uh, a Cherokee who was who grew up in Michigan, uh, poor and fought her way up to, to this point of prevalence. Like she sounds like an awesome person. Um, and she's one of what, who they call the the Mars 100 semifinalists, whittling down to ultimately like the uh, handful of people who would be Mars One's like final group. Yeah, they're having them do like simulation things too, right? Where like they're having them be in isolation for a given amount of time and seeing if they can handle like the psychological strain of such a journey yeah that was the original plan but they actually haven't done any of that stuff like oh. they were supposed to actually do reality tv show stuff now but they still can't get through even the basic you know contract stuff the company that they had on board backed out um you know so instead they completed just like basically skype interviews and haven't done any real true vetting of any of them um but the original plan was basically to have like the hundred show up um, form teams nine days I think it was in isolation you know then they would go on to like another set of challenges etc there would be eliminations the winning team wouldn't eliminate anybody off their team the other ones would have people you know lost and replaced and you know all that kind of stuff 
and hmm. it they it was way more uh <laughs> reality show style and when it was originally pitched they actually haven't gotten to there's like there, if you go to wikipedia they have they have it all kind of laid out pretty pretty easy to read there they had a number of different phases they actually haven't got to the isolation phase yet um there was this version that was going to have everybody compete and they were going to be broadcasting the show internationally and people in different regions would vote for the people right, from right, their respective the regions because that's exactly what you want you know? <laughs> jesus <laughs> um and now now here's the, the thing about the reality tv show thing which i didn't realize um for until researching this episode is that it was really just supposed to be a potential means of funding the project um there's a quote from one of them, uh, the founders that said, Mars One's goal is not to send humans to Mars in 2027 with a $6 billion budget and 14 launches. Our goal is to send humans to Mars, period. They, um, that was just simply a hypothetical uh, avenue of revenue and hypothetical dates and budgets and so on that made sense. So is it a pipe dream still? Yeah, it's probably a pipe dream still, um, at least for them. You know, not for any, not yeah. for like Elon Musk. Um, well, and that winds up being the thing, though. Then what are they even, you know, if well, they are not their plan? Well, they still have a plan of some kind because they are funding research for growing vegetables on Martian soil. And you can help fund this research yourself by giving to their crowdfunding campaign. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of cloud crowdfunding lately. That's been their most recent thing. They have donations on their website. Um, and they've, they've gotten about a little over... $900,000 in donations alone. That's from normal people. That's not um, actual investors. That that Those numbers have been kept private, how much has been privately invested in them. Um, and uh, over th just over 300000 came from an Indiegogo campaign, which was set up to fund their initial demonstration mission, which was scheduled for 2018, and they were looking for $400,000. They came up about $100,000 shy on Indiegogo. Um Either way, it's not how you want to fund a mission to Mars. Yeah. No, not even at all. I'd really just like to understand, like that, like Cap, the like the kick-ass woman that you were talking about before. Like, what makes you think that this is a good idea? Like, why, why, I? Yeah, that's I, what I'd really like to understand. I'd, I, I'd love to understand that psychology. I would love to know that too. And actually, it's a it's a two part interview. So the part I believe the part talking about her being in the Mars One project actually hasn't been published as of this recording. Hmm. So I don't I don't know what her reasoning is yet. I, I mean, I'm guessing that the basic reasoning comes down to I am very much so for a multi planet lifestyle. And so even if this is not going to work out, I know that it's never going to actually, you know, happen. So I'm still going to be sort of supportive, like showing that there is actually people that are willing to go and take that leap. Yeah. That's my best thing. Like it's sort of a, a confidence vote, not in Mars one, but in multi planet. That's fair. She can, maybe she'll hop over to SpaceX now. Well, right. <laughs> but maybe Mars One would hop over to SpaceX, so to speak. I mean, they'd already included them in the plan. But if they actually get the price down, they could always do some sort of a weird thing where it's like, oh, well, $200,000 a person, you say. I mean, of course, that's their, that's their ultimate goal. So <laughs> it'd be more than that. I guess my point is they might actually be able to fund the people to go over on one of the SpaceX things and then you know, pick up the funding to do their weird little show. But at this point, you've got to ask yourself, like, why do they exist in the first place? If, you know, they don't care how they get people to Mars, then do they care if they get people to Mars? 
at all. Or well, if right. SpaceX it, is like, okay, well, whatever. So something to emphasize here is that what what John was talking about with the SpaceX, then with Mars One using SpaceX, is before SpaceX announced that their own Mars colony plans, um, Mars One had plans to to use SpaceX's uh, materials as part of their launch program. So, uh, which is they, they, uh, still kind of funny, <laughs> really, because they had barely even. I mean, it was only recognized recently that they had actually had any contact with SpaceX whatsoever. So. You know, kind of a huge part of the whole plan that they hadn't even engaged with. And maybe it's just revisionist history, but um, because obviously the whole thing about the reality show was promoted quite a bit, but um, and and it was popular with approximately no one. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, but it does appear that the reality show was never the core agenda of Mars One. It was it was simply some entrepreneurs. Um, I assume folks with a ton of money and some fanciful ideas who said, yeah, let's do this and let's be the first to do it. Why wouldn't people want to invest in like people and companies want to invest in the possibility of getting people to Mars? And also they're from the Netherlands and I haven't been able to find like a good resource for this, but apparent, but I did read that the Netherlands is kind of the, the epicenter of reality television. Um, they really? created, yeah, the like, absolute, well, they created big brother. Oh my god! So this is like their bag. Um, the the company that they had a contract with briefly, an exclusive contract, was Darlow Smithson Productions, and they are the present owners of Big Brother. Um, they were quote unable to reach an agreement on the details of the contract, and therefore dissolved that. And presently, there's no other television contracts in play for Mars One. Um, but so it, one can only assume that this like extreme voyeurism project came out of this, I, I guess, the mindset of the Netherlands. I don't know. We have some listeners from the Netherlands. If if you guys can like uh, confirm or deny uh, your country's obsession with reality television, you know, let us know. Um, I would like, however, to formally attribute the creation of reality television to Andy Warhol, um, who is who really <laughs> conceived of the, the Big Brother um, project in general, though no one seems to credit him for it. But uh, if you go to the Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh, uh, they got they got it all laid out for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so really, really, what we're looking towards now is NASA and SpaceX, um, and then there's a possibility that Mars One and their investment and whatever infrastructure they have there, if they if they do in fact have anything of worth within their company could somehow become a part of someone else's private space enterprise. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it seems reasonably or reasonable that if they are researching how to grow crops on Mars and they're making, uh, making headway in that regard. Um, I just read the one run the one press release on it, but that seems like that's relatively helpful information to be sharing with others. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's just so much. There's so much that has to be done uh, more than just growing crops. Like there's, uh, you know, like digging underground. Like they're saying, you need to be at least thirty feet underground with your main dwelling areas to to protect yourself from the cosmic radiation. And uh, did and, you read the uh, highlights uh, from the AMA? Uh, I went through a few of them. You guys are talking about um, Elon Musk's AMA, right? Right. Yeah. That yeah was like he today. Did, yeah. No, he did it uh, Sunday. Uh, so October twenty third. Uh, but all the did. articles are today. <laughs> yeah, all the articles are today. 
Um, but basically, yeah, he was talking, he was just talking a little bit more about, um, his transportation system and kind of what he was planning. And he went into like, uh, they're going to use the Raptor engines that they have that are currently under development, um, and have a spacecraft that's designed to carry like a hundred people to the surface of Mars, um, and then return to earth. So returning to earth is, is now on the table, um, which is good because I think that that makes a lot of sense. You'd want people to be on the surface and you'd then probably want them to return to Earth so you could study them uh, and be like, how is your body reacting? Have we taken 25 years off your life? Like, what's what's uh, what's this taking a toll on? Well, and, and twice as much if you had to take the whole, you know, return right, trip, return right? return trip, right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, back to your subterranean layers. Yeah, um, somebody well, call Vault-Tec. Uh, that sounds like a job for Vault-Tec. Yeah. <laughs> Better living underground. Oh, I, that's but actually no, no, the first he I've heard of that. Did... Really? The, the, yeah, because... Yeah, well, no, I mean, you pretty much have to. Well, because I'll tell you what, that's not... <laughs> that's not what Mars One has been peddling. Mars One has this adorable picture of this, like, um, series of pods that are definitely on the surface with a little solar farm in front. And then it looks like they've kind of built into a rocky surface, but it's a small rocky surface. And for a donation of $50, you can get a little model of that in a beautiful Aww. glass brick. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's a perfect Christmas gift for the upcoming holidays, guys. Because seriously, like Elon actually said that, you know, oh, yes, well, we we'll also need to send over some, uh, you know, tunneling drones. That's great. I mean, as as part of the package. So, yeah, no, he's he's got it all figured out, apparently. Although, I, I mean, I guess this is kind of the point, though. Who's making these tunneling drones? Who's testing these tunneling drones? And like, that's just a tiny tiny part of all the horrible amounts of infrastructure you need to actually run a colony. But yeah, know? I mean, you <laughs> like there. So what his plan is to send one, the first, like the first dragon rocket is supposed to go in 2018, right. As like an unmanned mission to just prove we can get there, I suppose. Um, Was it that soon? I think so. Uh, I mean, I, I they, they got that big giant massive tank that they've been building, but like that still seems pretty forward. Yeah, starting I mean, as soon oh. as 2018. Yeah, I'm guessing that the as soon as is going to be like 2020. But you know, hey, whatever. Was, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, how? What, what? What was the as soon as? Like, what, what was? What was the proposed first thing? Um. So it the first thing was that it has planned or it's aiming to launch uh one of the the unscrew dragon capsules toward the toward Mars um in May 2018. Uh, to just to kind of like test the technologies to see hmm. if what they're developing will actually get them yeah, there. Yeah, that that seems like uh. th- th- they've they've already they're already really well on their way to that. That seems fine. Yeah, um, but it's it's I guess one of them to test is their supersonic retropropulsion um, to see that if it's coming you know into the atmosphere um, faster than basically the speed of sound, um, the capsule will then instead use its thrusters rather than like a parachute to slow down uh, in order to land. So Which that I guess is one of their biggest parachutes. Things. Of course, parachutes of course don't really work on Mars that well. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's not there's not a whole lot of uh, wind resistance there to pick up. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's what they want to test first. Huh? I'm amazed that that whole uh, NASA bouncy ball thing actually worked. What was that? Oh no! I mean, it basically is exactly what it sounds like. It Explain. was like inflatable <laughs> balloons. Oh yeah. <laughs> What what is it? I don't know at all. 
that was how they distribute. Uh, that's how they dropped like one of their landers was literally in like uh, a giant cushion of balloons, basically like a giant blow up ball, and it just bounced off. I forgot what the height was. It was something like you know forty meters or something. It bounced. It's crazy. Hmm. That sounds pretty. And then rad. eventually it rolled to a stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, something that has kind of been touched on here, though maybe maybe inadvertently, is like there's been this question of uh, how are people going to you know, do these these big feats and so on. But what's great about this is that because governments and private companies are asking these questions now, then we're going to find answers. It's the same thing as the initial space race. Um, from that, we developed like a myriad technologies that have changed our very way of life, though so subtly many people don't realize it. And that's created new industries and um, avenues for revenue to fund future projects. Uh, it's it, it it's it's really kind of interesting because it's hard to pin down, but the means to fund missions to Mars might actually be in the traveling to Mars. Like it might it might actually be like a fully inclusive um, ecosystem of of funding to make this thing happen. Um, I read this article that I'll, I'll link to on this episode's page called "Is There a Business Case for Mars?" Um, on the website The Space Review. And uh, the core question was, you know, like, what will the funding mechanisms be? Uh, how will the many technical and physiological challenges be overcome? And the sort of conclusion was is that it's unlikely that in the near term, any company attempting to mount independent initial Mars missions would make a profit uh, unless these missions were funded, at least in part, if not substantially, by governments. Um, however, there are near-term business opportunities in life support, agriculture, radiation shielding, energy, in-situ resource utilization, and filtration, and that's just to name a few, of things that could be, they'd have massive, like, in developing them for Mars, they would have massive implications here on Earth. Interesting. <laughs> Especially with the deteriorating environmental conditions, am I right? Yeah, uh, you know, hurling towards an extinction-level event. I guess one of the things that I would hope that would never happen, and it probably won't, but, like, as we get closer and closer to, like, the point of no return, assuming we're not already there in terms of climate change, like, hopefully, like, our solution isn't just, like, let's go, like, let's just move the human race to Mars. Because, like, there's there's going to be a lot that we still need Earth for, right? We can't just be like, well, we we totally screwed this planet, so let's just escape plan, guys. Like, there's so much we don't know about living on another planet or bringing an entire species to another planet that uh, we're, we're still gonna we're gonna still need Earth, guys. I can only imagine that it would always make more sense to salvage Earth. You know, yeah. inherently, I mean, Mars is way beyond Earth when it comes down to you know inhospitable environment. So I mean, like you know. <laughs> I mean, like solar isn't, it's so much further out. Solar isn't as viable a resource. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the whole thing is basically a hazardous environment. But uh, as for the other mess, um, profitability, I mean, you probably could get a lot of stuff from technologies, but I mean, if you wound up actually going to an asteroid and pulling one of those, you would have immediate resource value, you know? And so... Like, I guess what I'm saying is, is I'm sort of seeing like two different angles here. One, going to Mars, setting up a colony. But then the other is asteroids in general. Wow, look at all this gold. Or the moon, even. We could go to the moon, mine a bunch of minerals off the moon. Yeah, helium-3, just like in the film Moon, which was, yeah. you know, a pretty, it was a hard science fiction. That was all true. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> Based on a true story. Yeah. <laughs> well, but wasn't it implying that there was actually fusion then on Earth? Uh, I guess so. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out in Duncan Jones's follow-up to Moon coming in a year or two. Oh, really? Yeah. He used all that Warcraft money to film a new independent film. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you take the blockbuster projects, kids, to make your crazy independent dreams a reality. I think it doesn't that's... sound too bad, actually. <laughs> I feel like that's really actually the value of Musk's system, though, is that... I mean, technically, you could go to the asteroids as well as you could go to Mars. Except, you know, once again, you freaking pull in a gold nugget that weighs a ton and you've already disrupted, like, the economy <laughs> practically. True. Yeah. Um, but that, that is why NASA's um, program is surprisingly compelling because it starts with harnessing an asteroid and putting it in orbit around the moon. And that sounds like they're just setting up the skeleton for a whole asteroid harvesting industry based on our nearest... Um, object you know so if we we establish you know a, a nice little uh commuter system to, to the moon of us having people go out there harvest minerals and so on take them back to earth maybe start a utopian society that doesn't involve uh, you know with the universal standard income and, and stuff like that yeah. uh maybe you know why not wait guys i was saying I, I was just thinking we can tie this back into our earlier discussions about ai and what are your, your like society is going to look like when you know the majority of the jobs are being able to be done by machines this is where we get all the money to support our sort of utopian lifestyle. There you Working go. Towards a utopia as opposed to a dystopia is inherently a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Science fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's that book? I want I want the utopian future books. Yeah. Uh, don't we all? <laughs> I guess I guess they won't they don't sell as well. They're not no, as... they kind of exist. The uh the the final installment of uh, Arthur C. Clarke's a space odyssey trilogy is it's got drama in it but it's kind of like has a lack of conflict almost because it's in a relatively utopian society hmm. it could uh, be conflict but it could just be like good conflict <laughs> yeah just not your standard issue too much funds to <laughs> there are so many things i could do today which we're going to build a do? solid gold spaceship <laughs> and then send that to mars instead <laughs> um so you guys have mentioned uh, Elon Musk a lot, which I actually noted both you guys refer to him as Elon. It's cool that you're on a first name basis with him. Could you introduce <laughs> yeah, you me? Know. Right? <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> um, he, he has this, this great quote, which is, I want to die on Mars, just not on impact. Um, and we, we haven't really laid out his big Mars plan. And there's actually a, a very long video about 
uh, explaining all of it, which I unfortunately haven't watched, but uh, I know John at least has. So I was wondering if we I could, did. Yeah, let's let's talk about exactly what the SpaceX plan is. We've already mentioned it a little bit, but what what is it in full? Dreamy. <laughs> okay, what else? <laughs> he like you know, I mean, it's one of those things. Once again, like they already have you know rockets. They already do that. It's not like oh, it'd be really great if we could build rockets. I mean, he's talking about building something that's larger than the Saturn V, which, of course, was the moon rocket. I mean, we haven't built anything that big since the moon. We haven't gone. We haven't done anything worthwhile since then. The thing's efficiency is crazy high. I mean, it's like five or six times the overall efficiency of the Saturn V. We're talking about launching the largest payloads into space ever. I mean, it's just nutty. The actual, I mean, in other words, what he is ultimately proposing is something that, for the first time ever, truly deserves the name of spaceship. The size of the crew area alone ultimately being able to hold a hundred individual people plus all the supplies that they need on Mars and shooting that over in one shot. If it was That's anybody crazy. else, we'd say he was out of his mind. He might still be out of his mind, but like, you know, like what you said, if it was anybody else, right? Yeah, I mean, actually, what um, I was reading an interview with uh, Kim Stanley Robinson about this whole uh, 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 Elon's whole plan to go to go to Mars. And uh, for those that don't know, he's he wrote uh a Mars trilogy in the nineties called red Mars, green Mars and blue Mars. Um, and he has, he said, quote, Musk's plan is sort of the 1920s science, science fiction cliche of the boy who builds a rocket to the moon in his backyard. <laughs> um, and then it just goes through, um, in the, in the interview, just talking about, um, his entire plan and just how, how strange it is because again that, that same point of like we haven't done anything really since we went to the moon and there are still some that argue we never went to the moon so uh, <laughs> um, and he argues he's like you know mars will never be a you know a single person or a single company effort it has to be multinational and it has to take a lot of money and a lot of years um because there there's just so much it's not like you one you do have to build this rocket that can carry a hundred people and all of the supplies and maybe you send some beforehand and you're probably actually going to have to send some other rockets to start mining and getting fuel for your return trip. But, uh, that's just the first step, but then you'd have to actually be there and survive and set everything up and deal with now who owns Mars and what, like, what is, what does our space treaties look like? Is this the United States part of Mars? Is this the Russian part of Mars? Like, there's a whole there's a whole series of things that that really need to happen. You can't just be like, I'm Elon Musk, I own SpaceX and this is now Mars is now owned by SpaceX because I got here first. Done. Okay, goodbye. He could make a compelling case for that though. Yeah. <laughs> but um no, I mean, it really is like, well, where where are the Martian factories? Um, how are you going to develop technology on Mars? Like, I mean, you you don't realize how much infrastructure is necessary for any normal product in your home until you go to mars right <laughs> like a sewage system 
Yeah, like, uh, oh, well, now we need to be able to make a PVC pipe or a lead pipe or something. We have to be able to mine the resources, process the resources, fabricate them into probably, you know, base metals to be deployed, however, and then finally make the product off of it. Each one of those things requires factories to build stuff, to build stuff, to build stuff across the board. And then you also need energy to, you know, do all that. In addition to that, um, I mean... You know, we have some idea of where resources are on Mars, but obviously without a proper on-the-ground geological survey, who knows, you know? Like, unless there's just gold sitting on the surface, like, yep, here's a gold field. Now we're, <laughs> we're good for, you know, our circuit boards forever. The coming age of automation seems like, you know, this the Mars exploration and colonization programs, whoever is responsible for it, like, ultimately it's it should be inherently a part of that like we should we should be able to we should we need to do a ton of preliminary work with drones first and foremost before we achieve the aspirational goal of sending people there but therein lies the problem of course because i mean you know you still have to have all these you know robots then right and then you wind up with the time delay. And so then it winds up being like, okay, well, we can't really remote control them from here and have them do anything truly meaningful. So instead, you know, you would need to give them autonomy. Actually, now that I think about it, one of them, was that a Mars One thing? One of them was actually saying, oh, and then we just have the autonomous robot go and set up shop. <laughs> I think it was Mars One. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, can't, I can't imagine uh, Mr. Musk since his... Cat pointed out, I'm not. I'm not on the first name basis with Elon. Uh, I mean, but, you could be. I don't know. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. I run into him in the valley all the time. Uh, no. Uh, uh, as Mr. Musk pointed out, or uh, that doesn't sound like something he would say. The Lord He's, Admiral Musk. Yeah. <laughs> first president Supreme of Mars, Mark, Elon Musk. Commander of Mars. <laughs> Musk. Martian Musk. Crazy <laughs> Martian Musk. <laughs> Old man Musk out there in them red hills. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I mean, but I think I think also in in terms of it is it is a long effort and it's going to take a lot of you know iterations to to get to this point. Um, and this is something that also was pointed out in the uh, Kim Stanley Robinson uh, interview, where we tend to lose interest in things. Uh, we went to the moon and we were like, did it? Cool, done. Like people will summon it ever like Everest. And now, you know, it's like a tourist thing. Like now everybody does it. Like it's now we have to do trash cleanups every Wednesday. Right. <laughs> and, and now, so what is to say, like we don't get to Mars and people are like, cool, we did it. Everybody celebrates. Yay. And then they're like, well, okay, now what? I don't really care anymore. Um, so I, I think that's really what's great though, about the whole asteroid thing. Yeah. I mean, like, if you actually brought back a yeah. solid platinum asteroid, yeah. you would destroy the world's economy. <laughs> like, yeah, ain't nobody can do nothing with those moon rocks. I'm going to be like, oh, somewhere. we figured out how to make aluminum. It no longer costs more than gold. It's worthless, which is also a beautiful thing because that means massive abundance of a really, really cool resource. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, asteroids. I feel like the quest to colonize Mars could potentially be the gift that keeps on giving because Mars one did actually capture people's imagination as flawed as it was. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that was always the point, I guess. Right. Just shock value. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they wanted to make a splash, right? So they, they, they made a hell of a splash and then couldn't back it up with anything because if they're selecting people like the woman I mentioned, 
you know, they could potentially be drumming up a lot of interest in their program if they, you know, if countless scientific minds didn't publicly out them as being 100% bullshit. I, I mean, their aspirations might be pure, but the reality of what they were trying to do is just so flimsy. Um, <laughs> so... But but as, as far as like the, the prospect of colonizing Mars, you're right. There are so many systems involved in what that would be. There's no way it wouldn't be an ongoing quest that involves a legitimate profit margin, legitimate human risk. And I feel like enough of a challenge that it could stimulate people's imagination without what happened with the uh, space shuttle program, you know, happening where people like where they're like, we, well, we did it. And then and now we've done it so much that it's not interesting anymore. Yep. Well, to be fair, the space shuttle was always a joke anyway. I mean, that was never the plan of the space shuttle. It was never the purpose. It was always like the space shuttle was just one tiny part of Von Braun's dream to go to Mars in the first place. And that was like, whoa, we can't just completely back off from space. So let's do the cheapest thing. What, what is that? You know, I set up a geosynchronous uh, satellite orbit, whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the thing is, and this is, I think, it's something really beautiful and fascinating, is that people were, during the space race, people were dreaming big. They were dreaming huge. Mm. And as soon as we made that first initial milestone, the bigger dreams were so legitimately far off. Because even if we, I mean, could we be on Mars right now with people there doing stuff if we'd worked towards that whole time as a, you know, a collective of governments? Probably. We probably could. But it would have been, like, recently. It was still, like, all the technology we needed like not even uh you know industry pushing forward on things like cell phones and so on we it's it's started moving very quickly now but it took us 20 years for it to get to that point of accelerating returns so the technology to get to mars it would have been a challenge to be in our grasp grasp to begin with and people would have had to have governments and agencies would have had to have made I don't know, they would have to have gone above and beyond to continually stimulate the public's interest on the quest towards Mars. Like, establishing yeah. a moon base, maybe, I don't know, but first you have to astro uh, you know harness asteroids to make that worthwhile. Yeah, that's a very fair point. I mean, if you think about it, even just, what, like, three years ago, NASA was just getting defunded left and right, and just, who knew, like, I, I mean, I know I was legitimately worried that maybe NASA just won't be an organization anymore, because people just don't even seem to care. Uh, but now I think that there has been such a revival in in interest that I don't I don't necessarily even worry about it. Like uh, President Barack Obama just had an op ed in CNN uh, where he was talking about how important Mars is now. Um, so I, I think I think you could be onto something there, Cap. Dreaming big. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what it takes, right? We and we have to hold on to what we have because we're in a, a climate now where. Uh, Cosmos Return to Television, Neil deGrasse Tyson is like so well known as a science personality mm -hmm. that, you know, people are uh, getting tickets to see him uh, do his thing live, to speak live. I'm going to see him when he comes to Orlando next time. Like that's that's the thing people are doing and getting excited. Bill Nye's coming back and he's yeah. talking about the dangers of climate change. It It's become a bit of an industry again, uh, being being science positive and in a large way it's because it's competing against a I, hopefully a ruthless minority of people who are like anti-science but we we live in a really confusing time right now I, none of us won't argue that um but it's 
it's gotten to the point where even business people who they could even be climate change deniers will see the business opportunities in space and through that capitalistic motivation um it's okay to be excited about space again and those opportunities i mean look it it's, it's all part of a bigger problem we have so many different ecosystems that we exist in the in ca- the problem with capitalism is that how much is enough it's never enough they always try for more even even when you could be a company doing a really good job making fine products then you go public, you sell yourselves out, your your quality deteriorates and all this. It's, some, it's a cycle we hear over and over again. It's awful. Like uh, mm-hmm. ingenuity and innovation is rewarded by um, people cashing out, selling out, and quality dipping off or whatever. Everything stagnates. And at the end of the day, the shareholders just want more. Um, the only way to get more, the only way for the, the demon of capitalism to, to even have a, a hope of continuing this voracious cycle of gluttony is to go <laughs> off of earth because we're done here you know yeah well and you know history repeats itself right so we're we're getting into another tenuous like cold war relationship with russia we can have another great space race conditions are conditions are swirling yeah and uh you know we we all hope for the best i i, I can see many ways that this uh you know that we can have all of this uh, uh, let's say friendly international competition without it getting ugly again. Um, but it's we're in a very difficult uh, place in time, which is why we're grateful to all you fine people listening to us that uh, like you know we're all part of a our own ecosystem, so to speak, of nerds who care about stuff. <laughs> if you want to get like boil it down. Um, and I did forget earlier in the discussion because it's been such a heated discussion to tap into this and to thank all of you for supporting Nerdy Show and suggesting that if you go to patreon.com slash nerdy show, you can help fund us uh, because crowdfunding is, uh, you know, for as though it didn't didn't really work out for Mars One. Um, when you have, say, an achievable goal like we have. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like think we're a little bit more legitimate than Mars One. Yeah. yeah. You also know. yes <laughs> but if you guys want us to dream big we can come up with some ridiculous ideas uh if that's if that's what you want too well i mean we we do you know to <laughs> to be devil's advocate we do in in our own small scale way dream big like being able to do nerdy show full-time which is one of our um forthcoming goals uh right but Patreon. it's also it's also achievable yes and it, you know we have we have we have steps that will that will actually get us there i was more talking about like <laughs> we just want us to pull out we will Bring magic to, I don't know. It's just something ridiculous that doesn't seem achievable, but sounds sexy. I'll work on it. I'm not a PR person. Well, and uh, whatever it is, we don't need $100 billion to do it. Yeah. It's a bargain. Anyway. <laughs> so a bargain go, at any price. Go to nerdyshow.com slash support and learn all the ways that you can help fund our achievable dreams. Uh, speaking of achievable dreams, uh, this coming week is the launch of Lightning Dogs, the official podcast. We uh, we said it was going to come out sometime in doc- in Dogtober and uh, at the very least by Halloween. So uh, looks like we've been working down to the wire, and it's definitely going to be Monday, October thirty first. So look forward to that. What it is in a nutshell is a crazy idea we came up with on an episode of Nerdy Show three years ago that snowballed into a really good idea about a. Anim- a animated series inspired by all the greatest action adventure sci-fi animation and films 
from the late 80s and early 90s. And um, we're we're taking it all the way. We want it to be an animated television series. And that is legitimately a pipe dream, but we have the steps to do it um, all laid out. And it's a journey that we're taking you guys along with us. It's a the, sh- the podcast itself is our entire journey from the moment of the show's conception chronicled um, all the way to what we hope to be the inevitable conclusion of this someday being an animated television series. So, And all the technology is already completely proven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the question remains of, can three nerds outside of the animation industry break into the animation industry and make a dream a reality? That's the, that's the big question here. Um, so- sounds like a good reality show podcast, Cap. Yeah, you just need to do a reality show. I think we have these fantastic elements. (laughs) The uh, company will try to introduce arbitrary, um, you know, random stressors, but whatever. I can send you random stress emails if you want. Oh, I have enough of those. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There's a horrible cataclysm about to happen. But yeah, so we've, we've done, we've recorded every single moment of the show from our accidental conceiving of the idea uh, throughout all of our planning process and we'll continue to do so and uh, it starts on Monday we'll have all of our original episodes which were released as a part of Nerdy Show re-edited into a new format along with a new episode and the new episodes coming out every other week uh, until we hit a Patreon goal whereby we'll be able to do it weekly Achievable Dreams Yay! Hashtag makes more sense than Mars One or probably a better I think this should be our new I think this should be our new Tagline, achievable dreams. Hashtag achievable dreams. <laughs> so, Tell us what your achievable dreams are yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, with using hashtag achievable dreams. <laughs> uh, that's, well, that's what they say on the television, right? Yeah, they, they, they try to motivate people using hashtags. Well, we do too. Hashtag howl noise, hashtag pound sign. Um, Metrics. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, that's, probably, that's probably about it for... Uh, for the Martian stuff. We've said some some things. We've talked some stuff. Said some sciencey words. Yeah. Thanks to Kevin Wise for uh shaking off the SciTech cobwebs. It's been a while since we've done an all SciTech episode of Nerdy Show. And uh look forward to new episodes of Nerdy Show every single week. Next week it'll be a uh, our usual potpourri of nerd subjects and then after that something probably a bit more specific. Um Still trying to do that all Fallout episode, but uh, I got to finish Nuka World. I've been too what? busy. You haven't finished Nuka World yet? It, as mm. soon as I finish Nuka World, John, you'll get a message, and I'll say it's time for us to record that <laughs> Fallout like, 4 postmortem. I don't remember anything. I have to play another 500 hours. <sighs> I haven't even started, so you're oh better my. than me, Cap. <laughs> oh, my. Soon, soon, soon. Anyway, taking us out is a track by Melody Sheep's Symphony of Science. This is The Case for Mars. The most appropriate track I could find in our archives at nerdy.fm. Seems legit. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm John. Bye, I'm Jess. Mars is the next logical step in our space program. It's the challenge that's been staring us in the face for the past 30 years. It has water. It has carbon. It has a 24-hour day. It has geothermal energy. Mars is a place we can settle. There is a giant rift in its surface. 5,000 kilometers long, there is a volcano as wide as Arizona. So there's the choice of life. One either grows or one decays. Grow or die. I think we should grow. Mars is a world of wonders. 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 Wonders.
It has canyons, river valleys, and giant ice sheets. Mars is a world of wonders. It shouldn't be humans to Mars in 50 years. It should be humans to Mars in 10. We either muster the courage to go or we risk the possibility of stagnation, cosmic radiation, zero gravity, Martian dust storms, back contamination. But these are dragons that we can take on. In our time, we have sifted the sands of Mars, established a presence there, and fulfilled a century of dreams. The Mars rovers have really captured our imaginations. They genuinely are explorers in the old-fashioned sense. If you put out a call for volunteers from the first crew to Mars, they'd be lined up coast to coast. Mars is a world of wonders. It has canyons, river valleys, and giant ice sheets. Mars is a world of wonders. It shouldn't be humans to Mars in 50 years. It should be humans to Mars in 10. Mars is a dry, frozen version of our home. Covered in red dust and sand. At one time, in the ancient past, Mars was very similar to the condition of earlier. There will always be people with new ideas on how humans should live together. We now have eyes and ears on the surface. What's left after you go is the good you left behind. You have to believe in hope. You have to believe in the future. The future. There are more and more people coming around to the point of view that a positive future for humanity requires human expansion to space. Mars is a world of wonders. It has canyons, river valleys, and giant ice sheets. Mars is a world of wonders. It shouldn't be humans to Mars in 50 years. It should be humans to Mars in 10. This is a world of wonders. We're at a crossroads today. We either muster the courage to go or we risk the possibility of stagnation in the kingdom. Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or like and follow us on SoundCloud. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all of your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 